listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2010, Live Oak Bank has lent over $1 billion in pharmacy loans to more than 660 independent pharmacies. The Live Oak Bank team works exclusively with community pharmacists every day and understands what it takes to ensure pharmacies succeed to take care of their communities across the country. If you're interested in acquiring an existing pharmacy, purchasing real estate, or diversifying your business with additional offerings, Live Oak Bank is the right financing partner to help you reach your goals. We hope you'll reach out to talk to our pharmacy lending team. Visit us at liveoakbank.com forward slash pharmacy. That's liveoakbank.com forward slash pharmacy. Hey, has anyone seen that interest rates just went up? Um, Is this something that we should be concerned about as small business owners, as pharmacy owners? You know what? We have to bring in the experts. That's what we do here at the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We always bring in the people that know what's going on. Greco, I'm glad you're here. Would you please kind of set the stage for our listeners today? Yeah, Todd, you're right. Interest rates did increase uh, three quarters of a percentage point. The biggest increase, one-time increase since the mid-90s. Is that the death blow to a plan to buy a pharmacy or is that the worst thing that could have happened to you if you have a loan right now on your pharmacy? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> Let's find out. So we have two guests, Owen Bondurant and Rich Danhoff from Independent Arts Consulting, two longstanding great minds in the pharmacy industry. Happy to have them here today. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Greco. Uh, My name is Rich, and I am a partner here at Independent Rx and uh, handle the accounting and tax work and uh, all the support uh, for ongoing pharmacies. Uh, Prior to this, had uh, ownership in 16 pharmacies, so um, across several states, so have now transitioned more into a consultant role. Awesome. And, and Owen, uh, you know, I've known each other a long time. Um, I feel like uh, I would do uh, no justice to your resume here if I were to introduce you. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let everybody know. But um, Owen, uh, I know you have a long history here in the pharmacy space along with you and your dad. So go ahead, Owen. Why don't you tell the crowd here uh, a little bit about yourself? You could have done it. <laughs> uh, Bengals fan. That's where I would have put it. Yeah, Bengals fan. That's most important. <laughs> um, I'm Owen Bonder. I'm a partner in Independent RX with Rich. Um, my primary focus at the company is is uh, is helping people start and buy pharmacies. Um, but and I've helped a couple hundred people do that. Uh, I also own um, currently. I'm a partner in a couple of pharmacies. We have a compounding pharmacy, a retail and a long-term care pharmacy. Uh, as Greco mentioned, my dad's been in the industry a long time. He was partners with Rich in those 16 stores. So been working in pharmacy all my life. Um, I'm not a pharmacist, actually. I have a business degree, so come at it from a slightly different perspective in that I've worked in the industry a very long time, but you know, have a business background. Yes, and you know, before we get into um, a lot of the topics about um, interest rates and and how rising interest rates could impact the pharmacy ownership, 
Um, you know, I think it's important to start out first and foremost with the, 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 the groundwork, the foundation of what um, a lot of loans and financing are, are based off of when we're doing um, pharmacy financing. I, I know Owen Rich, you know, we're at the trade shows. What are some of the most common questions that are coming out uh, to, to borrowers and to potential uh, owners that are coming up to us? A lot of the times they're asking kind of the ABCs, one, two, threes of the of, of the loan structure and the actual nitty gritty conversation about interest rates and, and leverage ratios and, and, and current ratios is what we're going to talk about a little bit. It kind of comes at the end, but let's start first and foremost with just, you know, what these loans are and, and how they're structured and, and why that's important first to kick it off. Um, you know, uh, would you guys agree that a, a majority of the loans that a lot of independent pharmacy owners are taking out are going to be uh, small business administration loans, SBA loans. Yeah, I mean, probably 90% of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's rare to see anything but SBA. I mean, it, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're primarily goodwill loans, right? There's right. not a lot of assets um, within a, a, a healthcare transaction in general that could go for dentists and doctors and so forth, but in particular pharmacies. Right. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of, a lot of what someone is buying or borrowing against is the goodwill, you know, of the business, essentially the, the name on the, the name, the name on the door, right? The, this, the value of the scripts, its ability to generate the cash flow. There's, I would say, venture to say about 75% of the time, that's really all there is, you know, for whatever reason, uh, pharmacies typically don't have the, a, a large building or any building associated with it. It's usually a lease type um, uh, business. And so because of that, you know, there isn't a lot of, of, of tangible collateral that, that a bank's going to loan against. And, and, and so the small business administration loan, the SBA loan is not only a great uh, product for the bank to loan against, but it's a really great product for the pharmacy owner. And 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 let's talk about just some of the basics, right? Uh, if you're buying a pharmacy, um, 10% down of the total project cost, and um, the working capital can be included in the project cost. And and I know you guys are looking at pharmacy financials all the time. You're talking to pharmacy owners. I mean, how critical is it to have that working capital for the first 30 days? Yeah, working capital is critical, right? Because typically in a pharmacy transaction, you are not buying accounts receivable. So you don't have that trickle in effect of the of the scripts that were filled. Uh, you're starting off and probably you're two to three weeks out from getting your first check from a third party payer. Right. So uh, that working capital covers your ability to buy drugs and pay your bills during that, you know, first three to four weeks. And so, and, uh, you know, just other operating expenses that might be incurred for those first few months when you take over a new pharmacy. So that working capital is crucial to essentially survival when you're, when you're purchasing a new pharmacy. Yep. I call it the lifeblood of the business for the first 30 days. You're absolutely right. So, so, you know, work capital can be included in that. So you're really going to be leveraging about 90% of the loan amount against the cash flow of the business. And, and we'll get into a little bit uh, more about, you know, making sure that that loan amount and that leverage amount is right size. But, but really quickly, let's talk about the importance of the terms of the loan, because this is going to start to hit 
where the rubber hits the road on, on, on the subject matters that we're talking about here. So whether you're starting a business, whether you're expanding a business, whether you're buying a business, it's going to be a 10-year term and a 10-year amortization. And the term is basically you know, the length of the loan, the life of the loan, when it actually the final payment comes due. And the amortization is essentially what the monthly payments are calculated off. So the good news is, as an SBA loan, those two match up. It's going to be a 10-year term and a 10-year amortization. And, and I know, guys, we see sometimes when we're talking to pharmacy owners that they may have a 10-year amortization schedule, but they're going to have a five-year term. And then the dreaded B word, balloon, comes in and, and, and the loan comes due. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have a lot of thoughts about, about the difference of that. But, Owen, just, just talk really briefly about the importance of understanding those terms as it goes into the structure of the project. Well, term can dictate monthly cash flow, right? It, it drastically affects that. So in your, in your example, if you have a 10-year term and a 10-year amortization, you're, you're paying your loan and your interest over that 10 years. So you're making 120 payments. Right. Whereas if you have a five-year um, term, you know, you, you have one of two things. If you have a five-year term, you're going to make that same loan payment over five years, right? Um, if you have a 10-year AM and a five-year term with a balloon, well, basically at the end of that five years, you've got to pay the rest, the remaining part of it. And so it shortens the amount of time. Well, what that means is essentially, you know, a 10-year term gives you half the payment monthly, which creates more cash flow for the business. Yep. And, yeah. and cash is king at the yeah. end of the day. You're absolutely right. And, and so, so, you know, for everybody out there listening, so if you're going to buy, start, expand on the business, if you're getting an SBA loan, it's going to be a 10-year term, 10-year amortization. Now, if you add a piece of real estate in that, that can change the terms in the amortization. But for the sake of this uh, podcast, we're really going to be focusing on, on just strictly the goodwill or, or, or just the business, no real estate really involved in it. Um, and then um, Owen, Rich, what do you guys see out there when it comes to the interest rate? I have my thoughts, like if you were to come to Live Oak Bank, but I just wanted to kind of get your guys' input. What are you seeing out there uh, for, for interest rates? I know you get a lot of questions about whether they're going normally to be variable or not, but but want to hear your thoughts. Well, I think we're seeing what everybody's seeing in that is interest rates are going up. Um, you know, historically, we saw, uh, you know, both fixed and variable rates. If you were going for a fixed rate, you would see something a little higher right now. You know, the prime lending rate is is 4.75. So we're seeing a lot of uh, prime plus two. So that'd be 6.75 for an interest rate. And that's usually variable. So um yeah, so you know that's the big concern is we just jumped those three quarters of a point as you mentioned. Right. We were at four uh, just two weeks ago. Now we're at four point seven five. A little perspective on that: we were last at four point seven five at the end of two thousand nineteen. Mm -hmm. So not not too long ago we were at no. at this very interest rate. And yep. you know if you go back a year further, we were at five and a half in at the end of two thousand eighteen. So. Um, interest rates are creeping up and it's concerning a lot of people. And if you have a variable rate note, 
um, yeah, your payment's going to change, right? So it's going to adjust for that additional three quarter uh, percent. And, and so that has, you know, some people rightly concerned. Yeah. And, and I, I would say that a majority of the SBA loans out there are going to be variable, right? And, and um, right. particularly with, the, with independent pharmacies, and 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 that's okay. That that's that's all right. And because you know, I make this argument and 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 a lot of discussion towards education on this that an interest rate rising isn't going to sink the business. For one, if you do a loan at Live Oak Bank, we're we're factoring that into the debt service coverage, which is going to essentially determine, hey, for every dollar in in liabilities. That you got in expenses that you got to pay out. Do you have a dollar plus a little bit more as a cushion, and and we're factoring that in. But more importantly, and and, and this is really kind of getting to the to the topic. Uh, one of the topics of the days, guys, is is making sure that the business isn't over leveraged because just as much as an interest rate can rise, it can also drop. Um, and I think a lot of borrowers were benefits of that right during the pandemic when it started and interest rates were 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 dropped. Um, significantly to uh, the federal lending rate of zero. The prime interest rate was, I think, at three and a quarter at that time. And, and, and so they were, they were winning on that, right? It dropped. But, but what you can't ever change, I tell people this all the time, is how much long-term liability you put on the business by that total amount that you're either paying or taking out. And so I uh, want to get some of your guys' thoughts on that with how critical not overpaying, overborrowing, putting too much long-term debt on the business, that's really the death of, of a business starting out of the gates, not necessarily an interest rate rising. So Owen, why don't you, why don't you share with us some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, we were, um, as we were kind of sitting here, we were um, doing a couple calculations. So like on a million dollar loan, the current rate is 6.75%. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, if you do that over 10 years, like we were talking about, that's a payment of $11,482 a month. So, you know, you're going to have an adjustable or variable rate. So right. let's say, you know, the, the Fed decides to raise this a whole point in the next year. Right. Right. Um, that will take your payment up $519 a month to $12,001. So yeah, I mean, if that's your mortgage, you're going, oh my goodness. But, you know, when you buy one of these businesses, there should be enough cash flow that it can handle an extra $6,000 a year. Absolutely. Um, if, if, you know, our advice would be to you, if it's that tight, maybe you shouldn't buy the business. <laughs> that's true. Right? Yep. Um, so that comes back to, you know, buying it at a price that makes financial sense um, and where, you know, the cash flow of the business less the debt, you know, gives you a cushion. It, it can't be even. It needs to be a cushion that allows for things like interest rate rising or inflation or a loss in business. Yeah. I mean, these things can happen, right? So, you know, that you can't control everything as an entrepreneur. And, and it's kind of one of the things that we've been talking to people about is, like, yeah, interest rates are going to go up. They're going to go down, right? Pre-COVID, they'd gone up. Um, back in 2015 and stuff, they were really low again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're going to see these movements, but it shouldn't kill your business. Uh, and, and 
you know, that's kind of what we've been talking to people about. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, you know, Look, my, my wife's a small business owner. Um, and, and so I kind of know what all the small business owners or future small business owners are thinking, right? I mean, you know, we're all going to be a little conscious about the potential of interest rates rising. And I love your example of the home, right? I mean, if I, if my, if all of a sudden my home interest rate loan went up, I would be a little nervous too, but, but my home's not generating cash flow. The business really right. is. And so Rich, you know, you're a CPA. Talk to us and, and, and explain to everybody out there a little bit about how, you know, that $6,000 that Owen was talking about in extra payments a year and in interest, you know, where does that money go and where does it show up and how does that actually help me pay less taxes over the term? Sure. When you, uh, you know, when you take out your initial loan, uh, you establish a liability on your balance sheet, right? For the amount of loan. If you borrow a million dollars, you now have a million dollars worth of debt on your balance sheet. And uh, so that principle is what needs to be paid down over time. And right. like we're saying, it's it's a 10-year period for, for most of these loans. And 10 years is a long period of time. You know, interest rates are going to fluctuate over 10 years. You know, right. we we're just talking about 3.25, that's as low as it can possibly get without the Fed rate going negative. So that, you know, maybe we're a little spoiled by looking at that type of a rate. But mm -hmm. so, you know, once you establish that million dollars, now you start making payments and a portion of your payment is reducing that million dollars every month. Um, so a portion of that, that $11,000 payment that Owen was alluding to is reducing that principal. Maybe it's 6,000 or $5,000 or $4,000 towards principal. The difference between that and the total, uh, payment is interest. And so while part of that payment is reducing your debt, the other part is interest expense. Yeah. And just like any other expense like payroll or, um, you know, the cost of your drugs, it is flowing through your profit and loss statement and it is helping determine your net income. So the interest expense is reducing net income and net income is what you pay taxes on. So if you're paying at a 30% rate, then um, overall tax rate between federal and state, then you know, that additional $6,000 of interest is affected, you know, basically at 70%. So it is reducing your tax liability. So it's always good to reduce your tax liability. It's not, you know, it, it's not the, the most effective way to go about uh, right. running your business is to reduce your tax to zero because you do want to make money. And, and so, but there is a tax, a positive tax effect of that interest that you're paying that extra interest yeah and and i think you know something i'm doing all the time i know you guys are as well is educating a lot of individuals that hey listen you know that rise in interest rate that interest expense it's going to show up on the profit and loss statement it's not a terrible thing so long as it's manageable right i mean we're not talking about here 15, 20% like credit card interest rates, right? I mean, we're talking about pretty reasonable interest rates when you're looking at what you're purchasing and what you're buying, the potential of it. But I know you guys are out there talking all the time, I am too, about the critical piece, Rich, you just alluded to it about how much long-term liabilities you're putting on the business and that's on the balance sheet. So, you know, what could be worse having an interest rate go up one, maybe even 2% or over leveraging the business right out of the gates. Talk to us a little bit about how you guys go about educating 
your clients, your, 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 uh, your sellers too, about, um, you know, the, the, the danger of that over leveraging the business. Well, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but like if we took that same case I talked about earlier of a million dollar loan at 6.75% over 10 years, you know, that payment was 11,482. Um, let's say you paid one point, you had a, you overpaid and you did 1.2 million. Okay. Um, and so you had a loan of 1.2 million because you overpaid for the business. Okay. Uh, over 20 years at the same interest rate of 6.75. Well, that payment is probably going to be close to, uh, if I did the math, probably in the 13,000 range, mm -hmm. maybe 13.5. Well, you know, as I stated earlier, that 1%, um, actually, I just, Rich actually just did it while it was in front of me. So it's 13,779. Uh -huh. Well, that 1% interest rate got it up to 12. Okay. So that payment is what, $2,300 more right. than paying having a million dollar loan. So that extra $200,000 for the business, over leveraging the business is causing you to pay what, 30,000 more instead of 6,000 more a year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's critical that you don't over leverage yourself and put too much debt on the wrong terms um, versus an interest rate going up 1%. Yeah, you'd much rather have a 2 or 3% higher interest rate and pay the right amount out of the gate than to overpay by two or three hundred thousand dollars and have a lower fixed rate that, you know, that additional principal that you're borrowing is that much more impactful on the payment versus a, a one or two or three point uh, interest rate move. I mean, all my business mentors, they always told me structure, structure, structure. Mm -hmm. uh, how long is the term? How much do you have the right amount of capital? Not too much, but not too little. Um, and what they really meant that by that is, okay, you need to have the right monthly payment. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. they really meant by that. Yeah. And so much of the monthly payment is dictated, you know, when we're doing a lot of these transactions or we're doing a lot of these loans, so much of it is the lion's share is the goodwill, right? The, the right. future multiple uh, that that's, that's calculated on the adjusted EBITDA, the adjusted net income. And that's a lot, that's the lion's share of what um, these loans are, are, are really taking up. And so if someone, and, and, and look, I mean, you know, I, I understand that there sometimes can seem like there's no other option or no other opportunities. So you want to kind of take the one that appears and maybe overpay for it, but um, doing so, um, you know, you can really set yourself up for a situation where you're going to, Owen, to your point, be overpaying much greater over the period of time than you would if you had an interest rate go up 1% or one and a half. And then Rich, you know, now we're starting to talk some, some uh, financial and accounting numbers, and I don't want to have everybody get lost in the weeds here, but you know, the current ratio, right? That can really impact things as well. If you're overpaying, why don't you quick, Rich, just really quickly kind of explain to everybody very, very, very simply why that current ratio is so important and, and how that long-term liability, when you play it into payables and, 
and, and things can impact the cash flow, the total equity of the business. Yeah, with the current ratio, you're looking at current assets versus current liabilities. And a portion of that current liabilities would be the current portion of your long-term debt, right? The amount of payments right. that you're going to make in the next 12 months. So if you think about what are the current assets on your on your balance sheet, it's generally cash, receivables, and inventory. And versus your current liabilities, which are your immediate accounts payable and uh you know, the current portion of your long-term debt. So as you look at those, you want to make sure that you've got current assets covering your current liabilities. And, and so, you know, again, if, if, that, if that debt payment becomes such a big portion and such a big liability that you've got, you know, to cover, and th then you're going to have a hard time meeting the cash flow requirements of the business. And so, you know, as, as Owen spoke to, it's, it's just really important to make sure your initial valuation of, of the pharmacy is, is accurate and that you set expectations really both with yourself and, you know, with the seller to make sure that you don't, you know, don't overpay and over leverage yourself buying a business. Because what you're essentially buying when you buy a business is you're buying the cash flow of the business. Right. You're buying the cash that the business is going to generate, and that cash has to cover the expenses of the business plus the principal uh, on the on the note. So you got to make sure that you've got, you know, a, a fair amount of cushion in there in order to to uh, to properly value and, and set up your balance sheet to be successful long term. Yeah. And before we start talking a little bit about where you guys see valuations of businesses going here uh, in the current conditions and maybe even looking out the next year or two, you know, I always like to tell people there are some things that you can control and some things that you cannot. And, you know, you can control your inventory levels, right? You can control how much you're perhaps paying out to the payables to the third party and the vendors. One thing you cannot control is how much long-term debt you put on that business in the very beginning if you overpaid or if you took on a situation where you know you just took on too much debt you can't control that and nobody likes to be in that situation and so you know really quickly guys kind of help everybody understand a little bit about you know what they should be looking for when they're trying to assess an opportunity so that they don't overpay. And I think this is going to be a nice segue into also where you guys see um, uh, future values of the business going. Well, I mean, it really comes down to cash flow. So, you know, if the business is making 200 grand, well, you can't have a debt payment of 200 grand, right? So that wait, sounds wait, wait, silly, wait, wait. but I mean- wait, that doesn't work, Owen? Things. If I yeah. have a dollar, I can't spend it? What are you talking no, about? No, <laughs> um, So, and, and on top of that, you, you've got to build in a cushion. So then people will right. go, oh, well, all right. Well, then I'll have a debt payment of 150. Well, that may not be enough because, you know, you have to assume there's going to be things that occur when you take over. Right. You might lose some scripts because the owner is no longer there. You might lose an account because the owner's not there. Someone may quit on you who was important to the business. Reimbursement might change. Um, right now we're seeing inflation. Right. So like, for example, technicians 
are expensive. Yeah. Much yeah. more than they were two years ago. Correct. Um, and so we can't predict what it's going to be, but something's going to be there. And you have to assume for a period of time that there's going to be a fluctuation in the business, you know, and sometimes that goes the opposite way. Sometimes you buy it and something great happens and actually you make a whole lot more money, but you know, you have to look at the worst case scenario and assume that there needs to be a cushion. So when we're valuating the business, we're looking at, okay, how much net owner's income is there? Um, and then we're going, we need to leave X amount of cushion um, after the dead payment. And that, and that dictates it. I mean, that, that is a buyer. That's what you can pay regardless of what CBS is paying or Walgreens or what have you. And if it gets higher than a threshold, well, then, you know, it's, it's time to pass on the deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think along that line, you know, what, what Owen was saying there too is, there are opportunities to improve stores, right? So right. you have an owner that hasn't touched anything, hasn't done any marketing, doesn't do flu shots, doesn't, you know, hasn't sought out a 340B plan. And you're looking at a store and you're all excited because you can do these improvements, but you can't pay for those improvements, right? When you're doing evaluation of the store, you are buying the store as it is. And then those payments are your upside. So you've got to evaluate. And that's where people, I think, get in trouble sometimes and overpay for stores with an expectation. Well, when I get in there, I can grow the script volume. I can do these changes. And so it's worth a lot more than, you know, what the books say today. And, and although that may be true, it may not be true as well. And, and so you got to be really careful to not pay for the value that you are going to bring and the potential of the store, but to pay for what the store is producing today. And, and to add to that, to, to go grow that store, even if you know exactly how it's going to happen, guess what? It costs money. Growth is not free. That's it doesn't true. just happen. And so you've got to have cushion to pay for the growth. You have to buy inventory. You may have to hire. You're buying more labels. You're doing more marketing. I mean, like it all costs money and you need to have that cushion available to go capitalize on that potential. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so to kind of summarize where we're at so far for a lot of the listeners or, you know, great information. And, and really what we're talking about everybody is you have to be aware of a few things. One is you have to be aware of the structure of the debt that you're taking out. It may sound great because you're getting the lowest interest rate, but if you're on a five-year term in a balloon and you're, you're, you're going to be in a situation where you might not have the money there, right? Um, it, it, so we're talking a lot about structure. You have to be aware of it. I hear a lot of times individuals say, well, no, I'm going this direction because of, and then they give the reason for it. And then you ask them about the structure and it's really not advantageous to them. The next thing we're talking about a lot of is you have to be aware of is how much leverage you're putting on the business, understanding the cash flow of the business and whether or not you could be potentially overpaying or taking out too much money. And, and, and then, and then lastly, you know, we're really talking about how yes, interest rates are rising. Yes, it seems scary and it should be and it. And it is because we're in uncertain times as far as the economy goes, we've been on such low, um, terms for so long, but we have to put everything into perspective and understand that an, an, incre an incremental increase in an interest rate isn't going to be what sinks the business. It's going to be those other two factors. And then of course, what the future value of the business is going to be. And so guys, 
you know, tell me what what do you guys see as far as um, uh, where businesses and pharmacies are are falling at as far as values go um, today, and and what you guys might see for the future. I know you guys brought up some great points reimbursements, inflation, the cost of, 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 of staffing. So how's that impacting future future valuations? And, and for the sellers out there, listen up, you know, what should they be, what should they be preparing themselves for? Yeah, uh, I mean, the valuations are going to come down most likely um, with rising costs, reimbursement going down. Um, you're you're going to make less money. And as we stated earlier, all the valuations are created off of cash flow. So if there's less cash flow, the valuations are coming down. Um, and we've kind of seen that for the past, what, few years now? I mean, this slowly trickling down. In addition, I think you've got some other market factors. I mean, the chains aren't buying as many stores as they once did. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, they're closing stores, right? So they were driving up some valuations because they pay so much. Great point. They're not paying. I mean, occasionally we see some ridiculous thing from them if they're gaining market share or something, but we don't see it as often as we once did. So uh, we think that the valuations are going to continue to go down simply due to cash flow going down. But there's still a market out there, right? Yeah. There's still plenty of pharmacists that want to own pharmacies, oh, right? Absolutely. And, uh, those chain jobs are not getting better. They're getting worse. Right, and right. so people are, you know, wanting to have more control over their, you know, long-term future. And when you own a pharmacy, you definitely have more control than you do Absolutely. when you're in a chain. But again, it has to be at the at the right price. And so um, so there's a lot of buyers out there. It's just there is an expectation, a little bit of a reset for sellers have to be realistic if they actually want to, yeah. to be able to sell their store um that they've got and again the bank is not going to loan you guys aren't going to loan money to a buyer to overpay right because you obviously need to get right. your money back when you when when the bank and the u.s government uh backs a loan they, they're expecting to get repaid and so you know you, the, the bank is there to also help, uh, you know, prevent somebody from overpaying. And, and so it is a little bit of an expect, uh, a seller has to reset some expectations on what exactly they're going to get, but there are buyers that are anxious to own stores out there. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's perspective, right. For the seller, um, just because, you know, we may say, or you may say something like, Hey, valuations might drop that's not necessarily like oh my god I, I i i'll never get anything for this business it's just going to be relative to what the market can bear and what the bank is willing to finance of and so it has to be you know fair it has to be prosperous for both sides but i agree with you rich there's there's nothing there to say that it's a, a doom and gloom scenario because there is a really large pool of individuals who want to buy it just takes that proper level setting and expectations from the seller that you know what they may not get an overpriced uh, uh, value for the business that they would have maybe got five years ago or even maybe three years ago. Um, but it doesn't mean that they still can't get a maximum amount for the business and, and still have a prosperous transition where their staff has someone that, that cares for it and the legacy of the business is, is continued. It really puts a big emphasis on doing good due diligence, right? And yeah. 
So getting financial statements, historical, you know, for the last several years, getting tax returns, getting prescription summary reports, making sure all those tie together and and tell the same story, right? Is the store growing? Is it steady? Is it declining? Right. Um, when you get financial statements, oftentimes they're not um, truly representative of the cash flow of the business. So you might have to dig a little. Or is the owner putting some of their own expenses through there that really aren't part of the business? Are they, you know, accurately representing how the business is performing? Because again, you need to know what that cash is going to be. So you can't just look at a single tax return and determine a value of a business. You've got to do some, some digging right. and make sure that, that all your pieces of information, whether it's operational or financial are telling the same story about what this store is. Yep. And I, you know, one thing that was kind of came to my mind here is that we've been talking about interest rates rising, inflation, reimbursement. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty. And, and then in the very next sentence, we go, hey, there's lots of buyers. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so a lot of people might be thinking, OK, why is there buyers? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of controllable things right now. Uh, it might be scary that the interest rates and all these things are happening and that you can't you know, it's like, okay, well, if cash flow is going down, valuations are going down, why would I buy one of these? Right, well, right, right. we were talking the other day is that, you know, even five years ago, maybe the only way to really make more money was to really add prescriptions or add locations. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, now, I mean, COVID has changed a lot. I mean, it has added lines of business that are clinical, COVID testing, vaccines, MTMs, point of care testing, labs. I mean, there are so many ways to make up now for the increasing costs, the change in reimbursement. I mean, five years ago, like when we had the 16 stores, we didn't have this ability. Like we relied strictly on reimbursement. And now... And I didn't get to them. There's compounding, long-term care, right. uh, 340B. I mean, there is all these ways that you can make money now. And that's why buyers are getting in is because, you know, with the rising costs and interest rates, it does make some people get shy. And, and a lot of good buyers are going, oh, wow, I might be able to buy these at a fair price and add all these great things on and really make some money. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like when you hear, you know, Warren Buffett say, oh, great, the stock market declined because now I'm going to buy. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of the same thing happening here is that we can go buy things at a good at a good price, at a fair price um, and add on um, some of these strategic things that are happening in the changing market. So I just wanted to address that because you're kind of saying one thing and then saying yeah. another. Yeah. yeah, no, you're, you, you, I mean, you are right. And, and I, I think one of the, uh, one of the sharper pharmacy owners that I know, you know, he always says, I'm not afraid of the debt. Uh, I'm afraid of whether or not um, my strategy can, can come to fruition in the business. And so, like you said, Owen, I mean, if, if people have a vision and they have an idea and a, and a roadmap and a plan the debt shouldn't really uh, scare them, not the interest rate number, um, but, you know, they have to be aware of those other factors. And, and, and it, you know, while you were saying that, I was thinking in your consulting business, when you're working with a lot of pharmacy owners, particularly perhaps sellers, you know, 
there are some small changes that they can make to the business to improve the net pro the gross profit, the net profit, and, and maybe do so for a year or year and a half. I mean, really, when you think about it, that's not that long. Uh, and make those changes, have them show up on the financials, ensure that they are sustainable for a new owner. And now all of a sudden, maybe they're making back, let's say it's the extra 100 or 200,000 that, you know, uh, they, you know, we're saying you might not get because valuations are getting right size right now. But, you know, they can make those changes. So talk a little bit really briefly for the sellers that are listening out there, because I'm sure they're thinking, well, geez, how am I going to do this? Um, okay, it's great that I've got someone that wants to buy, but what are some what are some very brief things that you consult a lot of your owners or or perhaps customers that you have that are looking to sell? What are just some very simple things that they can start to do and implement to improve that net profit of the business and ultimately increase their value of of when they sell? Yeah, I, I think definitely, you know, not necessarily in the improvement category, but to start out as a seller, the most important thing is to make sure that you have financials and uh, reporting that can be used by a buyer to properly value your business, right? So if your financials are a mess and all of a sudden you want to sell today, right now. Great point you know, that's, that's going to be kind of challenging to get top dollar for your store. If the, both the seller and the bank and the seller representatives don't feel comfortable with what they're looking at. Right. So you want them to be, if you're looking to get top dollar, you need to make sure your financial house and, and, and your operational house are in order because that gives a lot of people a lot of confidence quickly when those two things are in place and they feel like they've got a number in terms of, you know, yeah. And I mean, that that's probably the number one thing. It's time to stop running your kid's college through the business and <laughs> every single Costco purchase. Like you need to get rid of that stuff so that you show as maximum in terms of improvements. Um, you know, we see so often that sellers haven't changed their buying, right? So they're on the same agreement that they were on seven years ago. They haven't mm -hmm. tried to buy differently. Mm -hmm. um, we see a lot of them not adding flu shots, not doing shingle shots, not doing COVID shots, not doing um, MTMs. You know, they say, oh, MTMs, we just, you know, they're such a pain, right? Well, guess what? That's a customer now that you're charging an extra 15 or $70, right? right? It's a cross sell. It's no different than selling a, you know, do you want fries with that? Um, so adding all those services that add a little bit of profit and going in, I mean, you can add those things, have your technician or a young pharmacist or, you know, get college PharmDs to come in and add these services in for you and they can drive some profit. I mean, other things, just cleaning up your store. I mean, yeah. people don't like clutter. It's like when you go in a house, right? You know, if you're going to go buy a house, you don't want to go in the house that has 75 things on the mantle. Yeah. You want like some flowers. Yeah. The curbside right? appeal. So clean the thing up, make it look nice, fix the light fixtures, um, paint the place, like do small things to, you know, people need to vision themselves there and they will right. pay, you know, maybe side of, you know, that reset. So, well, you know, yeah. Here's another tough one. So you alluded to, you know, buying correctly, right? So your biggest costs, in the pharmacy are two things, you know, your the cost of your drugs and the cost mm -hmm. of your people. Mm 
Right. And the other area we see a lot of owners, especially owners that have been around a long time, mm-hmm. they've made quite a bit of money yeah. and um, historically, and now they're not as um, concerned about making money and they're concerned about their employees, which is a great thing. But if you're paying way over market rate mm-hmm. uh, for all your employees, or you've got really you're paying 100% benefits and you've got healthcare and 401ks. And those are all things that a buyer is going to inherit, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we've looked at stores for ourselves in the past, we've had to go back to a seller and say, you know, we're either going to give you, if we have to go do that work to eliminate those benefits and potentially lose employees and, and upset employees in the process, you know, that's a different valuation than if you go do those things. So, you know, that's part of cleaning up the house. Make sure you're, again, you're buying contract or if you're buying from secondaries and other places where you should be to reduce your cost of goods as low as possible, your payroll should be, should be reasonable in market. It shouldn't be way, if you're way over payrolled and it's causing your business not to make money, you know, the, the buyer is not going to buy the business or shouldn't buy the business with the anticipation. Well, I can clean all that up and get, you know, the business's income. No, the, the business has to have the income out of the gate. So buyers can, can fix payroll and do those types. We of see all the time where a store that should have one pharmacist has three. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, and it sounds crazy. And then the sellers are like, Oh, you just don't need those two people. Yeah. But when you buy a business like that, yeah. there's a big workflow change. There's process change with right. that. You know, who do you keep, who you don't like, it doesn't happen out of the gate. And so, and the, and the relationships they're building with the customers, the community. Right. The prescri- yeah. I mean, it, you're right. So that actually is probably the number one thing that they can do is clean up their payroll. Right. Yeah. Cause that's almost every time it's too much. Yeah. Well, so guys, this has been a great conversation. And, and, and what I hope we did, we covered a, a lot of important areas, but what I, I really hope we did is for the owner to be perhaps even the, uh, the buyer to be, or maybe even the seller to be, is we've provided some clarity around what they should really be worried about. Um, because I always feel, and maybe I'm a little biased because I'm from the bank, I always feel the easiest scapegoat for everybody to point to is, well, my interest rate, that's what's the most important. Well, no, it really isn't because you guys are bringing up great points of all the other factors that we have to watch out for, terms, structures, uh, understanding the true cash flow of the business, the future value, how much long-term debt we're putting on it, and then you know how they're going to incrementally grow the business. So guys, uh, uh, any, any, any last words of wisdom or any, any parting words, um, that you can pass on to people? I think from my side is that, you know, yeah, pharmacy's changed in the last five years. It's changed mm-hmm. in the last 20 years. And, but there are still, like we talked about, there are still plenty of people and, and there's 20 something thousand, you know, over 20,000 independent pharmacies out there. And, there's still opportunity. There's people that want these jobs and want these roles um, for, you know, so it, it, there's still sense for some optimism out there. And, and um, 
So with these other lines of business that Owen was just talking about, there's other ways to, to make money and to, you know, create a profitable pharmacy so you can serve patients. And, and so I'm still encouraged about things. And, and again, we see a lot of people that are, that are looking to own pharmacies and that's great. Yeah. And Owen, what's the best way? How, do, how, how can people reach you guys? Because you guys offer so many different services from the accounting to the consulting to helping buying and selling. I mean, what's how, tell tell the tell the audience out there a few ways to reach you. Um, our website's probably the best, independentrxconsulting.com. Um, our number is 937-522-0175. Uh, but the website's definitely the best way um, to get us. And if you Google us or Richard I's name, our LinkedIn's will come up as well. Yep, and I know you guys are real active on the LinkedIn, so I uh, appreciate everything you guys do in the industry. And I encourage anybody when you're out there in the trade show season coming up here in the months of July and August, September, drop by their booth, talk to them and and uh, let them know that you heard them here at the, on the Pharmacy Podcast Network sponsored by Live Oak Bank and talk to them about, uh, about your future plans. Mm-hmm.